That old Havana sound. We've talked a lot about Havana syndrome. That weird new buzzing sound that drives diplomats wild. Which almost makes it sound like some hip and cool jazz thing from the 1930s. Indeed, we've almost talked about Havana syndrome as much as we have the urtext for our podcast, Flight MH370. So much so that there is a clear and present danger that that old Havana sound might become the new MH370 and that... It has consequences. Which we won't talk about today. Rather, we're going to deep dive into Havana, Havana sounds, sound, the Milford sounds, and possibly even Milford itself. Mm, probably not. We are, though, going to talk about Havana syndrome. Since we've never really talked about it as a topic in a main episode. And crucially, we've never talked about it in Havana syndrome ease. Today that ends. Today we're covering Havana syndrome in Havana syndrome. Josh, get ready to oscillate those vocal cords. Well, wasn't that informative? So, what's on the Patreon bonus episode this week? Well, I for one can't wait. The podcaster's guide to the conspiracy is Josh Anderson and me. Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Edison and Dr. M. Denton. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. My name is Josh Edison, sitting in Auckland, New Zealand. They are, of course, Dr. M. Dentith, sitting in Zhuhai, China. Um, I don't know that we have a lot to, 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 to get, um, get out of the way before we start this episode. Can we just no, we are, we are somewhat we bereft of are. administration. No new, no new patrons, but that's fine. We've got plenty. They pay the bills. Um, no, no, no papers, no speeches delivered at recent conferences. No embarrassing personal problems. You want to share? Well, I mean, I've got, I've got a lot of embarrassing personal problems, but I'm not going to talk about them on this podcast. Although we're slightly delayed in getting to recording this week's episode because I had someone come in to fix a leaky water heater, and in the process of fixing the leaky water heater, he broke the toilet, and so he then had to fix the toilet in order to then be able to fix the leaky water heater. I did think maybe things would escalate from there, but luckily. Likely at this stage, everything is fine. Although if there is a distant sound of explosion and then a plume of water, you'll know that something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. Mm. Nevertheless, um, so basically what we're saying is we have nothing to say, um, so we should but get we straight into it. a long episode. time mm. talking about it. I guess the only other thing that's worth saying is it's it's probably worth keeping in mind that the entire time we're talking about the Havana syndrome, I'll be having like the first two lines of that Havana sign by Camilla, uh, Havana song by Camilla. What's her name? The the, the Havana Nana. Half of my heart is in Havana. That, that, that See, I will, will be, be thinking April sun in forever. Cuba all the time. Mm. So, so the if I sound distracted, it's simply because I have that song stuck in my head, as I always do whenever we talk about this topic. Uh, and that topic is, of course, Havana Syndrome. And before we go any further, we should probably actually play a sting to signify that we're starting things properly. We don't want to delay getting to the sting even further, having gone, there's not much to talk, talk about, and then spending minutes talk, talking about nothing. I mean, we could just keep, we just keep making this go along and along and along. We could, but we won't. Was that Havana syndrome I heard in the background? No, it was the boys, boys doing dishes. I think emptying the dishwasher. Well, that's all fine. Havana syndrome. Syndrome. When, when we talk about Havana syndrome, that might count. Let's play that sting. Mm. So, Havana syndrome obviously is something we've talked about quite a bit. In this uh, in this podcast, I counted. I think uh, was it one, two, three, four, seven, seven different mentions of it in, in in episodes over time. But we've never actually like talked about it in depth in, as one thing. It's always just been. It started as this little. Uh, here's this funny thing, and then there's a oh, here's an update on the funny thing, and another thing happened again, and then it, then it just kind of kept going and going. Like I assumed the first couple of times we talked about it, it was just going to be another one of those things that that your wacky conspiracist types like to bring up about. You know, uh, it's it's one of those one of those dodgy things that governments get up to that Havana syndrome, and everyone else will just ignore about and it go away. But it hasn't gone away. It's 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 
stuck around. It's escalated. Indeed, it's escalated all the way to the top, as we will see. Yeah, the escalation for this is really quite interesting, because I think, as we noted back when we first mentioned Havana Syndrome back in 2017, there was a rather prosaic explanation for what was happening at the US Embassy in Cuba, where people were claiming to be suffering from some kind of directed energy weapon that it was probably just mass psychogenic illness of some kind, so basically just a mass delusion, which people were mistaking as some kind of attack. So we kind of mentioned it all those years ago as, well, this is interesting, but nothing's going to come from it, because people will soon come to realize this is just another example of a mass delusion. But as we're going to say, there is now an actual act in American Congress about protecting the victims from something which probably doesn't exist. But maybe we're skipping too quickly mm. to the end. Let's talk about the history of Havana Syndrome, going all the way back to the ancient year of 2017. Mm. Or indeed, 2017 is when the first sort of public reports came out about it, but uh, supposedly the incidents they referred to went all the way back to 2016. And if, we, and if, I, if, I, if I had my sting generator with me, that's where the dun-dun-dun would slip mm. naturally in. Just imagine that, yes. Um, so, I mean, if you haven't been paying attention, and to be fair, the last few times we've talked about Havana Syndrome, it's been in bonus episodes um, so it's it hasn't been it's been January 2019 I think was the last time we mentioned it in a public episode but anyway um, it, Havana syndrome is the, a bit of a catch-all name given to a, 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 a problematically as we will see wide set of symptoms including things like hearing loss nausea headaches ringing in the ears fatigue dizziness uh, loss of balance um, which are usually the onset of which are usually accompanied by a strange sort of a buzzing noise that people report hearing. Um, and often people who don't suffer these symptoms didn't hear a similar noise. Um, and it's called Havana syndrome, obviously, because it was first um, reported in the US Embassy in Havana in 2016. Um, but as we say, it's sort of these these things come out, but for some reason the world I, I don't know whether stuff became declassified or there was some official report somewhere or other, but it wasn't until midway through twenty seventeen that um the world started paying attention to it and you started seeing sort of not not necessarily mocking, but sort of fairly um non-serious articles about it. here's here's this weird thing that's happened how about that you know um types of articles in newspapers including our local newspapers and so that's why we talked about it um now i believe the reason why this became news in 2017 was that people in the media noticed that there were a very large number of sick days being taken by staff at the embassy in Havana, which kind of just led to a natural question, what's going on there? But I think back at the time, people were concerned about, say, the water supply. Maybe there was something wrong with the potable water leading towards people drinking water that was bad, and thus they were unhealthy. And eventually the investigation went, no, actually, there just seems to be this, this kind of strange sickness we cannot explain which everyone in this particular embassy is suffering from, and that's when it became Havana Syndrome. And I think the sound-based part kind of emerged after those initial reports. Mm. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem is th there's a lot of a lot of sort of vagueness. Um, it's not a... It's, it's, it reminds me of when we've talked about Morgellons disease, which reminded me of, I think, what was it, the, the targeted individual stuff. You have these situations where... You have a, a a sort of a you can you can say a sort of a common pool of symptoms, but not everybody has the same symptoms, and they're all it's it's you can't definitely say here is Havana syndrome. It is these specific things experienced in this specific way, um, and so it's it's always been a little bit difficult to talk. And also, which is um, as we see with things like Morgellons and indeed the targeted individual stuff, makes it quite easy for people to say it's it's probably more likely to have a psychological cause to be some sort of psychosomatic thing where, you know, some, some people start talking, have this problem 
and then other people became become sort of hyper aware of a similar thing, and so they all start thinking they have well something like that, but I don't know. But as we will see, things have developed a little bit further from that. So I mean, if, if we if we were to take this podcast as a chronicle of the history of Havana syndrome, um, we first talked about it in episode one hundred and forty seven, which was in uh, August of two thousand and seventeen. Um, where we've basically just yeah, recapped these first um, first mentions of it that appeared in the local media here. Um, and then it popped up again in January of 2018, um, where we noted that uh, a similar syndrome had been reported at embassies in Beijing. And then in June of 2018, which is uh, in our episode 187, uh, the number of which may or may not be significant, so I'm not sure if you like your uh, Demolition Man or songs by Snoop Doggy Dog, or I assume the actual whatever whatever place it is that has one eight seven as the code for murder. But anyway, um, and that was and at the time we just sort of again had a brief mention of it. Um, you know this that the, the, that old Havana thing. It's still around, and um, people think it might be caused by microwave weapons or something. I, I'm pretty sure we must have. That must have been prompted by the fact that around that time there was a study published by the Journal of uh, the American Medical Association, um, which but, but basically it d- didn't say it wasn't obviously psychosomatic. Um, they talked about a, a new syndrome in the diplomats that resembles persistent concussion and basically described these symptoms that they'd observed in these diplomats at these embassies. And so it was, I believe, the person uh, responsible, one of the people responsible for this study was the first person to suggest that microwave weapons could perhaps cause these symptoms, maybe possibly, not not actually saying we have proof that microwave weapons are used, but just sort of as a bit of a, a, bit of a hypothesis. Uh, but the next time we heard about uh, Havana syndrome, the explanation being offered was a little bit more prosaic. So we're talking here about crickets? We're talking about crickets. Yes, so some people actually listen to the recording of the so-called Havana sound, and we're, yeah, that's, that's just normal background noise in Havana. That is the chirping of crickets. Now, you might think that's a a fairly odd explanation to give because surely people know what crickets sound like. But of course, it turns out that if you live in different parts of the world, background noises can be remarkably different. And one thing which New Zealanders know in particular is the Northern Hemisphere fascination with cicadas every seven years. Because for people in the Northern Hemisphere, the sound of cicadas doing their their, their strumming is something which really doesn't happen particularly often. So when it occurs, it's really unusual. For those of us in the Southern Hemisphere, the sound of the cicada is basically the sound of summer every single year to the point where the first day cicadas come out, you will notice the sound of cicadas everywhere. By the second day, it's just background noise and you are completely ignoring it. So, of course, if you're someone who travels to Havana and you don't know what the background noise of Havana sounds like, the sound of the local insect life doing their thing is going to sound unusual. You are going to record it. And then because you are looking for a sound weapon, which is apparently causing the syndrome in the embassy, you're going to put this forward as, ah, we've located the Havana sound that causes the Havana syndrome. And yet the people who are kind of experts in listening to those sounds were going, yeah, that's, I mean, that does sound unusual if you're not used to crickets in the background and actually those are crickets. I don't think the crickets are causing the Havana syndrome, but if they are, that blows the case wide open. Mm. And again, of course, just because people have debunked the, this this one particular this slightly mysterious aspect of a weird sound that people had had chosen to associate with these illnesses doesn't mean that um, there was nothing there at all in the first place. So people could well, still yes, talk about just because you've gone look the sound you're associating with the syndrome isn't the cause of the syndrome doesn't tell you the syndrome doesn't exist. It simply tells you that one of the causal pathways that may 
present the symptoms is not the causal pathway you think it is. Mm. Now, as as it turned out, we um we we had two mentions of Havana syndrome in quick succession. We had uh, episode two hundred two. Um, in January of 2019 is when we talked about crickets. And then two weeks later, in episode 204, wouldn't you know it, another article about Havana syndrome popped up anyway. And uh, this time it was talking about Canadians. Um, Because I I think even right back from the beginning, it was people in the US and Canadian embassies in Cuba who were reporting these things. I assume the two are side by side or something. And uh, people in... um, in the U.S. embassies had been, or the U.S. had withdrawn uh, a lot of its its non-essential staff right as as, as um, far back as September 2017, but Canada hadn't. However, in uh, January of 2019, there was then this uh, this article point, uh, announcing that Canada had removed um, up to half of its staff at the embassy in Cuba um, after yet another case of one of their diplomats mysteriously falling ill. Um, so at that stage, Canada had uh, had 14 cases of mysterious health problems, um, and and the count was also 26 American embassy workers. And I mean, this was it, this was kind of starting to become a thing. It was it was um, because obviously when stuff like this happens, the question of blame starts to show up. Is this you know, is, is somebody doing this to us? It's, it was starting to feel like this was this was targeted in some ways. It seemed to be quite localized to um, specific people, um, and so so, so the question: well, Who might be doing this to us? Is it the Cubans? Is, is Cuba messing with our diplomats? And it was actually genuinely starting to harm diplomatic relations between uh, Cuba and the likes of the U.S. and Canada, especially I think because they were. Um, in a up until that point, we were in a better state than they had been for quite some time. Um, so yes, this this silly little thing that we at first had thought, well, this is a bit weird. Um, it's gonna it's gonna join you, you, the, the likes of your Morgellons and your and your other tinfoil hatty stuff um, has become kind of serious and real. Which is where the boffins come in. Mm, so the boffins got involved. And they did some studies to see if there's actually anything going on with the so-called Havana syndrome. And so we have a second report in the Journal of the American Medical Association, which was using MRI scans of the brain to reveal differences in whole brain white matter volume, regional gray and white matter volume, cerebellar microstructural integrity and functional connectivity in the auditory and visuospatial subnetworks. But these studies found no differences in executive functions. So the study concluded that the U.S. government personnel had been physically injured in a way consistent with the symptoms they described, but expressed no conclusion on the cause or source of those injuries. Mm. So it appeared that the, the people who had been reporting suffering from these symptoms did appear to have something have actual physical signs of something being wrong with them. But again, because the symptoms are so wide-ranging and and not 100% consistent from one person to another, you can't actually say, you know, this it's not like it's not like a pattern of bruising that would let you tell, you know, that that would show that they've been hit by something that that looks like this or a, you know, a, a scarring or a marking or anything. It's just there's Stuff's gone wrong with their brain, but we can't really tell you exactly how it happened. So that d- that did seem to knock the the the, the psychogenic um, theory on the head, but maybe Although, not again. It, yeah, it, it could again be different things that are being cho- that people are choosing to lump together out of some sort of a, a cognitive bias kind of thing, I suppose. Yeah. So note they found no differences in executive functions. Okay, look, there are there are differences in brain structure, but they don't seem to actually be differences that would lead to people having the kind of symptomolo- symptomology or ongoing issues that they claim to have from Havana syndrome. And also, secondly, this is a situation where you're looking for something. And so you're sampling a subset of the population which claims to have this particular something. And then you're finding that, yes, the members of this population 
all have brains which are slightly different from the norm and slightly different from each other. But of course, if you randomly sample any part of the population, when you're looking for salient differences, you are going to find that their brains are slightly deviant from the norm, because the norm isn't an actual thing. It's kind of a, it's a, set, a, a set of boundary conditions. But of course, when you're doing that and you're not looking for an underlying symptom or syndrome, you end up going, well, you know, these people all have slightly different brains from the norm. But when you're investigating it with the thesis that there is something wrong with them, so you're assuming the thing you're trying to prove, then you'll go, oh, these differences are probably in some way causative of the syndrome that we're looking for, rather than going, well, actually, we might be, we might be looking for evidence and finding it in amongst the noise. Mm. Now, it's, I, I'm not sure how this, this particular study does seem to have passed us by because I see the episode we just talked about um, where we mentioned the, the goings-on in the Canadian embassy was January 2019. We didn't. Uh, this study came out sometime later in 2019, but we didn't talk about Havana syndrome until, again until December of 2020 in the bonus episode for to accompanying episode 296. Maybe, may, maybe that episode has been suppressed and wiped from our minds. Maybe we Ooh, did maybe record it. But maybe mm. the Havana syndrome wiped it out. Oh, it's entirely possible. But I mean, yeah, by 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 December of 2020, um, yeah, again, think things were were starting to become serious. The U.S. Um, State Department was was getting in on the act, con- uh, commissioning a study from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, and which is a study- rare case in the U.S. where they haven't also tried to make a a wacky acronym to go with it. Oh, you see, we'll, we'll be getting back to wacky acronyms, don't you worry? Oh yeah, oh believe, <laughs> in fact, to the point where. My conspiracy theory is this entire syndrome is designed to bring about a particular bit of legislation, but we'll get to that shortly. Mm. And actually, just looking at it now, I uh, l- looking at the article we referred to in December 2020, I see it now it links to an article from September of 2019, another one in between these last two that we missed, which also uh, was suggesting that pesticides could be the cause of Havana syndrome. There'd been some sort of a... Uh, um, fumigation for for mosquitoes or something and so at that stage there was um uh, people suggested as a possibility that uh, it wasn't sonic attacks it was just um chemical poisoning from fumigation for mosquitoes but nevertheless uh december of 2020 um we got this this report from the national academies of sciences engineering and medicine that suggested radio frequency energy um was a possibility. The report concluded, after considering the information available to it and a set of possible mechanisms, the committee felt that many of the distinctive and acute signs, symptoms, and observations reported by State Department employees are consistent with the effects of directed pulsed radio frequency energy. Um, now, they didn't they didn't say anything about sort of where this energy may have come from. There was no sort of, oh, you know, based on where they were, the energy must have been beamed at them from somewhere or anything like that. Um, and in particular, didn't say who might have been directing these theoretical um, pulsed radio frequency energy weapons at the State Department employees. Um, but they did say that Western and Soviet studies going back decades offered, quote, circumstantial support for this possible mechanism. So again, and that's by clear. that, they basically mean that the Soviets and the Yanks were investigating pulse energy weapons during the Cold War. So they poured money into, if we can make this work, wouldn't it be grand? What they weren't able to point to were working prototypes of weapons that would do the thing that they've been alleged to do. Mm. Now, I think in a little bit, we'll get on to this this question, but it um, get on to an answer for this question. But the question it raises at the moment is, yeah, are, are these sort of weapons even a thing? Uh, it's, it's sort of being theorized that you could do that, but... At this stage, I don't know that anyone has said, you know, uh, the, the uh, energy, radio frequency energy of this kind beamed at a person could have these effects, but they've never said that we have the technology to actually be able to beam this kind of energy and this kind of pulses at a person. Now, later on, I think we will we will investigate that issue. But at the same time, um, 
as this story was coming out, there was another story uh, going completely in the opposite direction. Um, I think the the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine study did did, did admit that social factors might have played a part um, in how the effect was felt. You know, again, it's if if you're if you're preoccupied if you're thinking about experiencing a certain thing you're going to be hyper aware to something like that happening so it could be that people uh experience symptoms more strongly than they might otherwise would have but they still nevertheless said the actual mechanism behind it was was something something external some sort of an attack um but then at the same time uh this uh, a fellow called uh robert bartholomew who lives in new zealand um Basically said no, it's just mass psychogenic illness. So, so tell me about Robert Bartholomew. So as I say, he he lives in New Zealand. New Ze- ah, try it again. He lives in New Zealand. Uh, I've actually had some email correspondence with him. He apparently has a very very large collection of UFO pamphlets and the like. He's very into looking into why people believe weird things, and so he wrote he wrote a book basically, on how Havana syndrome was a just a case of mass psychogenic illness. And so he published a piece along with a co-author in Psych- Psychology Today, which was very sceptical of this report that had just come out from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. And he's sceptical of it for a variety of rationales. One rationale is purely the scientific evidence. He's going, well, look, how is this RF energy being delivered to specific people in specific locations without affecting others nearby? This would defy the laws of physics, according to him. And indeed, many of the criticisms about the pulsed energy weapon stuff we're seeing at the moment is also based around the fact that, yeah, it's a really nice science fiction idea, but you need to explain how it works, because at the moment... It doesn't really fit in with how we think the physical sciences describe how sound or energy even works within the world as we know it. So he's concerned to a very large extent about the physical aspect. If you're going to say it's a pulse energy weapon, you've got to say simply more than, well, the Soviets and the Yanks were investigating these things back in the 1960s, so there must be something to it. As we'll discuss towards the end of this episode, the Soviets and the Yanks were also investigating psychic warfare Mm -hmm. back in the 1960s. And that doesn't mean there was something to it. There's another rationale as to why they were spending so much money on those particular programs back then. So he goes, look, the first criticism is purely scientific. You need to be able to explain the mechanism Because if you simply posit it could be this thing, but don't explain how it could be this thing, then that just seems like an absolute stretch. His other concern is, how did the report come to this particular conclusion? It was a pulse energy weapon. Well, the problem is, the report relies an awful lot on secret evidence, evidence that was given to the makers of the report by members of the intelligence community, evidence that we cannot examine the veracity thereof. And so he's going, look, this this seems to be a case of putting forward a science fiction mechanism relying on evidence that comes from secret sources that independent scholars like myself cannot analyze it seems like this report isn't very good and so he concludes it might be that the panel sought to avoid a diagnosis of psychogenic illness knowing that such renderings are notoriously contentious such a conclusion could certainly be embarrassing to the same government officials who requested the study both the centers for disease control and the fbi were tasked with investigating the case their findings have never been released and all requests for U.S. government freedom of information documents have since been denied. It is no small irony that when asked when these reports will be made public, the response has always been the same. Crickets. And that's where we put in the brumpsh, mm. given that he he's of the firm belief that actually it was crickets and it's a mass psychogenic Ill, illness that's been associated with this a normal sound or background hum in Havana. Mm. 
Yes, so that's a dissenting opinion, but I think from the sounds of things, he's kind of in the minority there a little bit. Um, now, another thing possibly I should have mentioned just before is that as well as um, in Havana, there were cases in, I think, 2018 uh, in embassies in China. Um, there were a in bunch Beijing. Of, in Beijing. Uh, a, a, bunch of, a bunch of cases of what was then being called Havana syndrome uh, happening outside of Havana. Um, and that uh, th- that sort of becomes um, significant when you see that uh, again. Or, or I suppose another thing to say is that there were uh, have been similar events in Washington D.C. Um, but in the next time we talked about Havana Syndrome was in April of this year, the bonus episode that went along with episode three hundred and eighteen, um, and we where we talked about an article that came out with people claiming that uh, microwave weapons that could cause Havana syndrome do actually exist, according to some people. Um, now, it mostly uh, was quoting a fellow called James Giordano, who I think you'll have something to tell us about. He's the Samuel Lee Rockefeller Professor in the Departments of Medicine and Neurosciences and Scholar-in-Residence within the Center for Clinical Bioethics at Georgetown University Medical Center. Mm. But people like to conspiracize about him, do they? He's he's been the he's been a figure of conspiracy theories in the past. I understand. So he has some controversial ideas in neuroethics, essentially mm. about brain mod- modification, and that the future battlegrounds are all going to be about the brain. So it's kind of a vested interest for him to then support the idea that there are weapons which affect the brain directly being used by our, I'm saying our, our being used by the in- enemies of the US and apparently Canada at this particular time. So he is someone that people love to have conspiracy theories about because of his clinical background okay so he's the kind of person who might be doing research into these things in the first place and also for the sheer fact that he's very much advocating that this is where this stuff is going to go and once again many of the criticisms of his work are once again based upon the yeah you talk about the stuff as if it's an impending threat but once again we kind of need to know what's the mechanism because Mm -hmm. yes it would be terrible if the brain became the next battlefield, uh, and that now makes me think of Battlefield, the games, it would be terrible if the brain became the next battlefield, but at the same time, the kind of battlefield that you're describing sounds more science fiction than science fact. Mm. Nevertheless, uh, he claimed that... um... People, yes, pe- people had looked into this sort of stuff before, the US, Russia, and possibly China, and Mr. Giordano said that um, the science had, had largely been abandoned, or as he put it, if not abandoned, pretty much left fallow in the United States, but it has not been fallow elsewhere, he wanted to claim. And these claims came alongside um, claims that a US company had uh, made a prototype um, a sort of microwave weapon for the U.S. Marine Corps in 2004, and there's a lot of a lot of sciencey stuff um, going on. They, they talk about um, uh, what the, the biological impact of microwave energy um, heating heating a small amount, uh, a tiny tiny area of the brain could cause a thermoelastic pressure wave to travel through the brain, causing damage to soft tissues and what have you. Um, But this particular thing, there's a company called Waveband Corporation, which made this microwave weapon, or says they made this microwave weapon called Codenamed Medusa, which was an acronym for Mob Excess Deterrent Using Silent Audio. Love them acronyms. Um, They were given uh, $100,000 for a prototype, uh, that was was required to be portable, require low power, have a controllable radius of coverage, be able to switch from crowd to individual coverage, cause a temporarily incapacitating effect, have a low probability of fatality or permanent injury, cause no damage to property, and have a low probability of affecting friendly personnel. Um, so a document, a Navy document from 2004, apparently said that this hardware had been designed and built um, and not really much more than that. 
so supposedly this this device that people talk about was small enough that you could hide it in a car or a van um but there the, the just hasn't been much more talk beyond that it was sort of a it was sort of a aha you know moment look here we go here's these people here's your here's your nano thermite here's your here's your mysterious technology it's these people made their military they made their microwave death ray for the um for the marines but no more about it than the claim that this this thing actually happened nothing saying whether or not it worked for one thing uh whether or not it did what they want you know whether or not it worked at all or whether or not it worked in the way they said it worked, uh, especially going from affecting whole crowds to, to, to homing in on, honing in on individuals sounds like two very different things. Yes, yeah, so this is one of the problems of the follow-the-money hypothesis. So the idea being, oh, look, we found an example where the US military poured money into a device that, if it worked, would do something along the lines of causing Havana sy- syndrome. And of course, if you follow the money, it turns out that an awful lot of money is poured into free energy devices where people go, look, I can produce a device where you get more energy out than energy in. And people go, oh, if that works, that would be amazing. I would spend a small fortune because if the device works, then I'm going to be rich as creosote a reference that probably only someone from the early part of the 20th century would even understand. Mm. And, of course, the fact that people pour money into these things doesn't mean the devices in any way work. It's kind of a mistake to go, look, they invested in it, there must be something to it. That tells you more about the psychological motivation of the investors and maybe also of the inventors. It tells you nothing about the actual utility of the device that is being built. Mm. And indeed, this article, uh, the article that talked to Mr. Giordano, also um, quoted Cheryl Rofer, someone who worked on um, laser and auditory weapon research in the 1970s. Um, So she says, the military loves death rays, everybody loves death rays, and lasers had some of the characteristics of death rays, so people kind of got excited about that. But um, she said, while while the the research they did... um, into into sort of auditory weapons led to these uh, sound cannons that have been used by um, police forces against uh, demonstrators didn't lead to anything that, that any of these quote unquote death rays certainly not something that could be directed to anything smaller than a large crowd of people she said uh, thinking about something and actually building it are two different things. The military has a lot of money, a whole lot of money sloshing around, and they'll try lots of different things, and some of them are good and some of them are not, some of them are not so good. And she said, you know, she had personal experience with seeing billions of dollars spent on stuff with nothing much to show for it in the end. It was tried a bunch of stuff, but none of it stuck. So she seemed quite, uh, quite leery of the idea that these... Um, these microwave weapons are out there, but that hasn't stopped people from continuing to take it very, very, very seriously. Indeed. Including two people in Washington, D.C. Mm, yep. So we had this case in Washington, D.C. Um, only two people this time, though. But um, I don't know. Maybe maybe that was a little bit too close for home, perhaps, to people. Although you had to say, so two people in Washington, D.C., fell ill one day and suddenly that's an example of Havana syndrome Mm -hmm. I mean I actually imagine people in Washington DC fall ill all the time it's actually astounding they can only find two examples rather than oh but 136 people all fell ill on one day in Washington DC that's got to be Havana syndrome because no two two people reported feeling drowsy headaches and fatigue well that's definitely Havana syndrome that couldn't just be overworked bureaucrats in the nation's capital no it has to be some kind of external force it can't be bad labor practices in the u.s causing these issues mm. but nevertheless so we said at the start of this episode that it's been escalated all the way to the top and it, it bloody well has because just this month <clears throat> near the start of october um, of this year President Joe Biden signed into law the Havana Act. That's the Helping American Victims Afflicted by Neurological Attacks Act. They'd love a good acronym. I need to know how much money was spent 
on developing that acronym because it would have been a room in the White House. Look, we, we, we've got this act and we need to have some kind of sexy name for it. It'd be really great if it's actually named after the syndrome. So, I mean, we, I mean, the, one of the A's can definitely stand for America. One of the A's can stand for attacks. That's, that's two of the three A's done. I mean, the end, I mean, neurological makes sense. And that works with neurological attacks. So let's make the neurological attacks the end part. So we've got the na sound. And we've got, I mean, American victims. So we've got AV. So we've got avna. Now we just need to work out how to connect American victims and neurological attacks in one phrase here. And we're going to sit down and mm. we're going to work through the night. And we're going to be Absolutely. paying consultancy rates here you know hairy american victims appreciate neurological attacks no, Actually, no see, you're right saying now. hairy mm. i think more pursuit pursuit american yeah. victims advocating neurological attacks and that sounds more like we're actually causing the attack mm, mm, rather than no, i can imagine i can imagine them. a very lengthy pro it was, uh, patriot the patriot act was an acronym wasn't it it was yes i don't know what that stood for but you know they, they'd like it any, anyway americans anyway. trying radical interventions overseas tonight <laughs> we should work for the white house we should Anyway, uh, the, no matter how, regardless of how long it took to to come up with the acronym, come up with it. They did. Uh, oh, good old Susan Collins, um, I believe, was the one who from Maine. I believe from, so Susan Collins from Maine, right? Uh, was I believe the one who who championed this? But um, on October the tenth, October the eighth. Sorry, I'm getting my tens yes. and my eights. I'm Americans, and their dates around the wrong way. Um, in fact, they actually got the data around the right way in this, and I assumed it was wrong because anyway. So uh, on the on the eighth of this month, uh, the White House issued the following statement signed by President Biden: "Today, I was pleased to sign the Havana Act into law to ensure we are doing our utmost to provide for U.S. Oh, government." You Israel, could you please do it in your best Biden impersonation? That was my best Biden impersonation. All right, could you do it in your worst Biden impersonation there? I don't even know what he sounds like. He's that, that, That's part of his thing. He's too He too just makes references to, to, his, good. to his dog the entire time, champ. And, just, yeah. just put the word champ in a lot. Okay, today, champ, I was pleased to sign the Havana Act into law to ensure we're doing our utmost to provide for U.S. government personnel who have experienced anomalous health incidents. I want to thank Congress for passing it with unanimous bipartisan support, sending the clear message that we take care of our own, champ. Civil servants, intelligence officers, diplomats, and military personnel all around the world. Well, have so been you, you should by put champ in there. You should put oh, champ in into the list of. I'd put one. Put put those words into. You know, uh, some are struggling with debilitating brain injuries that have curtailed their careers of service to our nation. Addressing these incidents has been a top priority for my a top priority for my administration. Well, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he's had bigger fish to fry. But anyway, we are bringing to bear the full resources of the US government to make available first-class medical care to those affected and to get them to the bottom of these incidents, including to determine the cause and who is responsible. Protecting Americans and all those who serve our country is our first duty and we'll do everything to can, everything we can to care for our personnel and their families and champ. So, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not just... It's not just uh, a bill to take care of people who uh, yeah, it's the final suffering. It's actually which I think, I think is the chief rationale behind mm. the Havana Act because technically they've already got their reports that tell them what it is. It's a post winage, a post winage, Epin? Yes. Oh, sorry, I can't. Say, I can't say any of those words. Post winage, Nippon. It's a post energy weapon, according to at least one of the reports they've got. So they've technically already got a report that tells them what they want to know who to blame because mm. i think i think they're going well cuba's not the appropriate thing to blame I and mean, how would the cubans do it we need to be looking towards our enemies across the sea mm. yes yeah, so, i mean people have have suggested uh, i mean the talk is always oh yeah the the Russians and the Chinese may have been looking into the, and it's all, it's always may you know, if we we know people looked at it decades ago. We don't know that they aren't looking about it 
now. And in fact, we've even got evidence that we're doing it at home with, you know, Americans invest- investing in microwave energy weapons. So then it goes, well, if stuff, we're yeah. investing in this stuff, they're probably investing in it too. And it's wrong if they're investigating it. I mean, it's fine when we investigate these things, which seems to be the standard American response for you're not allowed to do what we, 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 we do. So we investigate these things and that's fine. But if you investigate it, it's a clear and present threat to the American way of life. Mm. Justice, li- liberty, eagles, pie, El Paso. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so basically, so that brings us up to um, three weeks ago, and that's really that's that's really the state of the Havana incident at the uh, at the at the current date. Um, so yeah, I mean nothing nothing is settled. It seems the world is divided between those who aren't actually sure exactly what's happened, but pretty pretty certain it's directed energy weapons. And then other people who are pretty sure it's not. And that divide, I would say, probably breaks down along intelligence lines and scientific lines. So by intelligence lines, I'm talking about the intelligence apparatuses that we see operating in the West versus the scientists who go, yeah, you need to give us the mechanism. Because at the moment, what we're lacking is a mechanism because it doesn't really seem like it fits in with our understanding of the natural world. So the intelligence agencies are going, oh, it's definitely energy weapons, and we've got reports to back that up. Now we just need to find the bastards responsible. And the scientists are going, well, we don't even know whether it's energy weapons. There could be more prosaic explanations going on there. And I think this has shades of what happened in the Cold War over investigations into psychic warfare. So during the Cold War, both the Russians and the Americans were spending, and I said in the earlier in the episode, vast sums of money. When you actually look at the amount of money that was spent on psychic warfare, it's a pittance compared to conventional arms. But they were spending substantial sums on investigating whether remote viewing works or whether you can psychically reprogram someone or assassinate someone at a distance with a thought. And often they were investigating these things knowing full well that the science said this probably isn't possible. But they were investigating it because the scientists were saying it probably isn't possible, which meant that there was a, a small chance that maybe upon investigation these things worked. And the worry would be if our side gave up on investigating these things and the other side were able to prove it exists, then suddenly they have a major advantage over you. So you investigate things you think aren't likely to turn out to be correct on the off chance that if they do, then you're not giving the advantage to the other side who are also doing exactly the same thing. Also see, for example, the proliferation of of nuclear weapons over the course of the Cold War. Yes, well, we don't want to use them, But we think the other side might, and the other side is going, well, we don't want to use them, but we think the other side might. So we need to make sure we've got a really, really big arsenal to ensure the other side won't use it. We saw the same thing with psychic warfare research. And I think the same thing is going on in the intelligence community here. There's a vested interest to chase this idea down for the sheer fact that we don't think it's actually likely, but if it turns out it's true... We need to make sure that we're on top of it. We can't allow our enemies to have an advantage when it comes to pulse energy weapons. Also, from an economic perspective, those agencies want as much additional funding and power as possible. So the idea that there is a tax upon their personnel allows them to then go, oh, oh, we need that extra money. We need that extra money now. Mm. So there you go. Um, now now we can no longer say that we haven't properly talked about Havana Syndrome and um, the fact that there is now a, a, an actual act about it in the States, I'm pretty sure ensures that it won't be the last time we're talking about it. Um, but that's probably all there is to say today. I think it, 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 all, I mean, it all just kind of comes down to evidence, doesn't it? There, there's nothing conclusive about anything and it if if you start with a certain theory, you can probably find evidence to, to back up whichever theory you're looking for. Precisely. It's mm. 
It's a case of you have your assumptions and then you're testing for those assumptions rather than testing whether those assumptions are any good. Once you assume pulsed energy, see, I can't say it, pulsed energy weapons, pulsed mm. energy weapons. When you assume that pulsed energy weapons are responsible for a series of events, you go around looking for evidence of pulsed energy weapons rather than going, well, you know, might just be that sometimes people fall sick in in embassies and maybe we should look at why our working conditions are such that this happens more frequently than we'd like to think. Mm. Well, there you go. So I believe that's the end of this episode. But of course, there is a bonus episode to come for our beloved patrons, they who are the most radiant and sweet-smelling among all of you. The ones who are immune to Havana Syndrome. Obviously, yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure I can guarantee there have been no instances of Havana Syndrome within our patrons. Make of that what you will. Um, so we have a few things to talk about. Um, lockdowns continue here in New Zealand with, with, with various lockdown protesting wackiness for us to talk about. The UK, we, just, we, we also just signed a trade deal with the UK, which among other things I think extended our copyright laws, didn't it? Yes, I'm and as I remarked on Twitter the other day, I'm sure once we're, we're, we're scraping barrels for scraps of water and fighting over scraps of food after the climate apocalypse, we'll be really, really pleased that we extended copyright by another 20 another years. 20 years yes. In the apocalypse, at least Mickey Mouse will be protected. Mm. Oh, he'll, out, he'll outlive humanity, I'm quite sure. Uh, and also, we actually we have um, proof of election fraud in the U.S., Yep, big news, big news. Uh, so, if you want to hear about any of those bombshells, uh, then you should become a patron. And if you've already become a patron, well, good job. You've, you've, you've done it again. Um, and really, I think that's about all there is to say. Oh, I suppose if, you want to, if, uh, if you're not a patron and you want to become one, go to patreon.com and search for the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy. But apart from that, I don't think there's anything left to say, is there? No, I think we should no. just oscillate our voices, express our Havana syndromes, and bring this podcast to a close. Mm, I choose to do that in a method that sounds very much like me saying goodbye. I'm just going to go, which is the sound that your mum makes. Class. The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy is Josh Anderson and me, Dr. M.R.X. Dentith. You can contact us at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com and please do consider supporting the podcast via our Patreon. And remember, remember, oh December, what a night.